Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story from celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon. Thanks for joining us this week. Well, you've seen the video on the news, law enforcement dealing with drivers who block intersections, roads, even freeways, so their cars can start drifting, spinning donuts, burning rubber, and basically using public roads for their passion about their cars and basically upping their tire bills. It's called Sideshow. Well, that's the illegal way. Now there is a way to do it legally, and a local raceway is giving them an opportunity to do just that. Our pal Doug Stokes joins me from Irwindale Speedway here. But first, the Long Beach Grand Prix and one of the top competitors. Part of the young guard moving up through the ranks, he has won the Indy 500 the very first time he participated in it. That's Northern California native Alexander Rossi, who told me he was exposed to racing at a very young age. My first race that I ever went to, I was I was three years old. Um, I don't remember it, but I've seen the pictures. I was in a stroller and... My dad took me to to Laguna Seca um, in in Monterey, California, and we went to the uh, kart race, which is obviously now what IndyCar, through its transitions, has become, and um, or kart became IndyCar. So it was uh, it was a father son thing that him and I did for for seven years, and um, for my tenth birthday, he took me to a go kart school type of three day experience in Las Vegas. Um, it was supposed to be like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and loved driving go-karts. And so um, f- when I was 11, we kind of started the, the foray into racing. Um, and it was something that as a family was kind of our thing. And my, my mom was involved, my grandma was involved, and it was something that, that we did and got into a race car at 14, and, and here we are. So your dad was into racing as well, or was this just something he saw it as some place to take you? So he, he lost his father when he was pretty young, and, and one of the big memories he had of with his dad was going to the Indianapolis 500. So um, he wanted to kind of share that that experience of, of his love of motorsports as a child. And so, yeah, but he had no background in racing. I mean, he was a landscape contractor, so he really, we knew nothing about it going into it and, and kind of he's been a part of my career and and my progression from from that very first day all the way up until now so you went there ostensibly to be with your dad when did something happen was there a certain car that you saw somewhere along the line that made you go whether it be a race car or just some car you saw on the street that kind of opened your eyes at a young age and went whoa that's kind of cool that kind of car um, I, I, yes, in, in a roundabout way. So my, my dad's dream from when he was a kid and, and he wanted to get to the point where he was successful enough in his life to be able to, to, to have a Corvette. And so, um, when I was 10 years old, kind of around the same time that I, I kind of first did that go-kart experience, um, he, he bought one in Florida and him and I flew out to Florida from California and drove it back across the U S and we took two weeks and it was this kind of road trip to, to not only see the, the landmarks of the United States, but also to, to drive this car that he's always wanted since he was a kid. And so that, I guess, was, was my kind of, this is, this is the ultimate, because that's what my dad wanted and worked hard for. And, and um, it was his pride and joy in the garage and, and everything. So, um, yeah, I guess if I look back at my childhood, it was a, it was a 2002, uh, yeah, sh- Cool. Chevy Corvette. Um, it was the uh, 
the C5. Uh-huh. It was a C5, not a Z06, but mm-hmm. it was a C5 in dark blue, and it was pretty cool. So he always wanted that kind of Corvette, or did he like the older ones? Or No, no. I mean, he just wanted one, right? Yeah. So that was the new one at the time, and, and that's what he bought. Oh, he bought a new one, so yeah. you guys went out to pick it up and drive it across country. No, exactly, yeah. Oh, how cool is that? What, yeah. what, what was the one thing from that trip you really remember? What stood out? Um, I think going to the factory in, in, in Louisville, um, that was pretty, pretty special to, I never seen or known how a car got built. And, um, so to be able to do that was very cool. I remember Mount Rushmore, um, pretty vividly. Um, but yeah, there was, there was so many different things that we did. I mean, we, we literally, he mapped it out to see all of the major stops that, that you could, um, from Florida to California. Mount Rushmore in a Corvette, T-top, I assume. Yes, it was. Yeah. All right. So, was the T-top up on or off? When you, I mean, when you drove by it, you could actually look up and see it. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's too long ago. Yes. You're, you're sixteen years ago. Sixteen years ago. Good. Oh, so you were like only five or six. I was ten. So I'm twenty six. Twenty six. Carry the three. Yep. I'm using my abacus. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Ah, uh, my abacus battery went bad. I'm sorry. All right. Let's just move on. Uh, it, so you became. Really, you started driving a race car, you started driving go-karts. And from that, I assume you just literally progressed up the hill until uh, your break came with IndyCar. Is that somewhat um, close? Sort of. Um, I, I went to Europe when I was 16 and, and raced over there for, for eight years um, and, and actually raced in Formula One in 2015. And then I was supposed to be racing in Formula One in 2016 as well and uh, was in was in London um, preparing for our first test in, in Barcelona in the middle of February, and um, some some things happened in terms of, of the team and the ownership and such, and so it, it kind of quickly unraveled, and at the same time, Michael Andretti was adding a fourth car um, to, to his operation, which he had never had before, and, and he reached out, and it was a very... Um, welcome phone call because at the moment like i didn't i didn't really have much going on and in a 48 hour period i went from having a formula one seat to not to then having the opportunity to go drive an indy car what would you be doing now if you weren't driving was there anything you always wanted to do when you were growing up that you wanted to do but this i wanted to ski um so i grew up near near lake tahoe and and that was a huge part of my childhood and and young teenage years and my dad was a was a very very good skier and and was um, a professional skier for a period of time and it was interesting because I was my mom was 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 very much into it as well and whenever we would have you know a big snow day regardless of the day of the week that it was she would call the school and say that I was sick and we'd go ski for the day. So. Oh, you have the best parents in the world. Absolutely, good yes. grief. Yes, for sure. Call in sick, let yep. you go skiing. Yep, Dad sure. takes you around, gets you into racing. Yep. It worked out being an only child. That's for sure. I was going to say, does it, I'm sure people right now want to now be uh, adopted by your family. I just yeah, wanna, yeah. I, I people guess will that's be probably listening. True. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. You moved on. Eventually, got your shot. At the Indy 500 and and IndyCar racing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you went into the Indy 500, you started, I believe, 11th. Correct. Yes. And then you went up and and won it, uh, the 100th um, running of the Indy 500. Could you have made a more auspicious debut? I mean, 100th race, you win it all. Yeah, it was it was a good one to win. If you're going to win that one, for sure. I mean, the the Indianapolis 500 is such a such a major part of motorsports um i mean it's the biggest race in the world and and not only is it the biggest race in the world it has so much history 
in in not only motorsports but American history as well. And it's such a spectacular venue, and and there's just a buzz about it. And and to be able to go there, the memory that I have as much as winning was actually just being on the grid um, and having the opportunity to take part in the hundredth running and and being in a place in front of a sold out crowd um, was such an amazing opportunity. And honestly, that's that's as much of a positive memory I, as I have as, as, as winning the actual race. So now going back there and, and having a taste of that, um, you don't want anyone else to have it. And it's something that you think about for the entire 364 days leading up to the next one. And, um, you know, certainly we've been uh, preparing for it. And, and, you know, May's just around the corner now for the 102nd running. Absolutely. Uh you know, the fact that I understand the Indy 500 is now going on NBC after years, forever, they were on ABC. In, two, in 2019, so next year. Is yes. it, so it's next year yes. as well. So, but what does that mean in a sense, the fact that you grew up like everybody else did, watching the Indy 500 on ABC, ESPN, whatever it is, and then now it's going to another network. It's Is it just a sign of progress? Is it just one of those things or... I think it's both. Um, you know, I think ABC and ESPN were, were amazing partners, and I think it was over 40 years that they they broadcast the race. So, um, you know, they did they did amazing things for for the race and, and made it. They were a part of what making it is what it is today. And um, for that, you know, the, the whole series, the teams, the drivers, the sponsors are grateful. And and it is one of those things. You know, every year in in racing, you know, there's contracts that are up for discussion, whether it's with drivers or sponsors. And the same thing happens with the series. And and so there's there's progressions and, and changes. And you know, I think NBC and NBCSN has been a, an equally amazing partner. And it's great now that looking forward to the future, we're able to have it all on one network. And I think that'll be a, a very positive thing for the fan base. Okay. What was your first car? Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you my first car, but then we really need to talk about Honda. We I need will. to talk about Honda. We will. We so my will. first car was a Chevy Silverado, um, but now I've talked about two Chevy objects, <laughs> which is really not good. Um, I now drive a Honda Pilot out of choice, not because of the sponsorship, the sponsorship. Yeah. I truly chose it out of choice of course. And, and I love it. And, um, you know, very, very proud to be associated with them. And you've been driving Hondas on the racetrack forever. No, not so much. I mean, Honda doesn't have a huge presence in, in the European ladder system. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my whole career in IndyCar has been with Honda and it was very important to me that Andretti Autosport remained with Honda, um, as they were, you know, again, we're talking about contract negotiations. That was a kind of a, a thing that was up in the air for quite some time towards the end of last year. And didn't you almost go somewhere else because I, they were with Honda and you hadn't come up with that yet? Well, no. So yeah, Andretti was considering switching. And so my, my, uh, loyalty lied with Honda and so yeah there was there was a period of time where it looked like I was going to be at a different team but it all worked out and and everyone um got the the best deal I think possible and I was able to stay with Andretti Autosport which is where I wanted to be and they stayed with Honda and and now Honda's uh, finished eight out of the top 10 in St. Pete I think so it's all it's all looking pretty good right now so what is it about the Honda vehicles the Honda race cars really that you favor so much is it handling is it power what is it about the vehicles that stands out for you um it's, it's the power and the drivability um, and I think that they've done an amazing job you know they definitely uh, especially at the beginning of the aero kit era which is now behind us they, they definitely were on the back foot but um 2015 was it was a difficult year for them and they rebounded in a huge way for 2016 they won the indy 500 they won the indy 500 again in 2017 
Um, and they've just been the force to be reckoned with in, in, in that race. And that's a, that's a huge testament to the work that they've done here in California and their development. And when you look at the fact that this engine's almost a decade old, the fact that they're still every year coming out with developments and improvements for technology that frankly really shouldn't be able to be improved upon too much is, is pretty astounding. And it's, um, it's great to be able to have that type of support and backing, um, you know, every off season. You've raced to Long Beach twice, correct? Yes. And it hasn't exactly gone the way you wanted it to. What no. is it? Well, tell us a little bit about your past at Long Beach and the Grand Prix and, and, and what's kind of gone sideways. Well, the first year in 2016, we as a, as a team at Andretti Autosport, we just really struggled on the street tracks. Um, we didn't have the compliance from, from a damper program over the bumps, and, and we were just missing overall grip, which was a team issue. It, it had nothing to do with, with Honda or, or anything. So we, we put a lot of development into that in, in 2017, and we came back very strong, and we were actually in contention to, to win, and, and we had a, a mechanical issue that prevented that from happening. So you know the, the performance was there in 17, even though the result was similar to 16. It was a much different weekend for us. So... Going back this year, we, we again, I think, have taken a step forward in terms of our, our street course package, and um, we are definitely looking to, to redeem ourselves uh, from what we feel was taken away from us last year. This will be the year. That's the plan, man. <laughs> Absolutely. 2018, here we come. Here we go, 2018. Obviously, or am I wrong saying this, that you like the regular track courses as opposed to racing in a in a Long Beach Grand Prix kind of no, no, I prefer the road and street courses over the ovals, and and that's just because it's what I'm used to. Um, you know, that's what I grew up racing, and and even now that it's my third IndyCar season, you know, going into Phoenix in in a couple of weeks will be my ninth oval race. So it's still very new to me, and I'm still um, learning every every time that I go out. So I would imagine when you first showed up at IndyCar, though, at the Indy 500, I mean, you walked out onto the track for the first time, and it's completely understandable if you just look around and go. OMG, you know, the, yep. the slack jaw and the whole, trying to take the whole thing in. Um, do you find still that there are racetracks you go to and you look around and it's just, it takes you a little bit because you are still only in your third year of racing that it's still kind of, you still are like a fan? Um, I, for, for Indianapolis, yes. For for the Speedway and, and for that event and, and not only just Sunday morning, but the entire lead up and the pageantry and the tradition that goes along with it, yeah, a hundred percent. I don't think you will ever get used to it. I don't. I, if you ask Scott Dixon or someone who's done it for ten years, they're still not used to it. So mm-hmm. um, that race is is pretty special from that standpoint. But no, I wouldn't say there's anywhere else where it's unique like that. I have to ask this: with you won the Indy Five Hundred, um, what was your father's reaction? Uh, he was in tears, which was what kind of spurred on my tears as well so uh it was it was a lot of validation for for him and i because we we went through a pretty difficult um decision making process of kind of abandoning everything that we had worked for in europe and in the seven years that i had spent there and to kind of just drop it and and come race in a series that i had no background in and, and knew nothing about really um it was pretty pretty spectacular to see that that decision was was justified Talk about some of the guys you're going to be racing against, uh, not only in the Long Beach Grand Prix, but also in the regular circuit for this year. Um, you're right now, as when we record this, you're currently third in the driver standings, which is sure. unbelievably great. You know, I mean, you're ahead of a lot of really good drivers. Who do you see as the toughest guy 
the toughest competition for you that you you can once you get to that point you're going to be satisfied that uh, you've really improved um well i mean it's 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 tough to say i mean everyone in in the championship is is very talented at what they do and i think that was proven at long beach that you know i think in qualifying four of the top six were rookies so um, it's a very diverse field, and there's a lot of guys that can win every weekend. But I think if you're going to base your performance and benchmark yourself off of someone, it's got to be Scott. Um, he is probably not only the, the greatest IndyCar driver ever, but also one of the best drivers of our generation. Scott. So, Scott Dixon. Right. Yes. Um, so he is spectacular um, to watch, and it's it's a huge privilege to be able to race with him. You bring up a very good point, because a lot of the rookies are coming in here, and if people are looking out there and they're saying, man, I would love to do what you do, um, do you recommend doing the, the levels that you did to get in, go-kart racing or something like that? Or is there another way that some other drivers have used uh, as a as a way to get into where you guys are driving. So I, I definitely think that you know you got to start in go karts for sure, and, and see if if the time commitment and the and the passion is there when you realize that you lose a lot more than than you win. Um, but what's great about the Rise IndyCar series is we have what's called the Mazda Road to Indy, and they help drivers progress from one level to the next all the way up until. Um, they get to IndyCar, and, and there's really no other racing ladder scholarship program like that on the planet. So that's something that had I, you know, had IndyCar as, as my focus from day one and not gone to Europe, I would have definitely done that program. And, and it rewards guys who, who win. And, and that's pretty spectacular because it's not about money. It's not about, you know, the background that you come from. If you're winning races, you're getting a scholarship to go to the next level. And then if you continue to win, you will drive in IndyCars. Music so. has American Idol. Racing, at least in 2005, had the Red Bull Formula One driver search. Yes. It's, I assume it's somewhat similar, except you didn't have to stand in front of Katy Perry, though, to Does try Katie and. Katy Perry do American Idol now? Yeah. Oh. She's what happened American? to Simon? Simon's oh, he's on, uh, no. he's on the other show. Well, I have not watched America's American Idol probably since 2005. Do you watch so. TV at all? I watch The Amazing Race. Oh, probably because you were on The Amazing probably. Race. Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no. Not at all. No, not a big TV fan, to mm. be honest with you. No, I completely understand. Yeah. I, I I understand you're a busy guy. Yeah. Well, I love movies. I just don't like the time commitment that a TV show takes, and I'm very particular about the fact that I want a conclusion to something. There's nothing I hate more than being left with, oh, now what's going to happen? You have to wait seven days. Like I don't <laughs> like that at all. Um, I want to be able to watch something and have at the end of the two hours know what happened and then you can move on. Well, so. do you ever sit there and, and watch like Amazon or Netflix no. or something and then just watch t show after show after show after show? No, because then I'll, I'll hate myself that I didn't move for <laughs> nine hours. So no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's, hey, uh, you are a strong man. Good for you. Thank Good you. for you. Yes. Well, okay, you brought it up. I have to bring it up now. The, uh, the whole thing with the Amazing Race. My wife loves that show. Okay. I'm awesome. sure she rooted for you and everybody I else so. in that show. Yeah. Now, I I don't watch it much. You were in uh, the one that was in what country? Well, 10 different ones. Oh, right. Um, so it's, it's around the world. Um, it was season 30, which is pretty spectacular when you think about it. That I mean, a reality TV show. I mean, the only one that's longer standing is Survivor, mm -hmm. which is also a, a CBS show. So it's amazing that, you know, to have the opportunity to go on it and um, to be involved in a competitive environment, but in a, certainly a different way. Did so. they come after you, or did you say, you know, I've seen this show before. I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, I had actually never seen it before, um, but the the Rising IndyCar Series, their, their media department does such an amazing job pushing the drivers out to, to different avenues of, of kind of 
marketing and networking and, and, and brand and social awareness. And so, I mean, that's been proven with, I mean, James Hinchcliffe was on Dancing with the Stars. Elio Castroneves was on Dancing with the Stars. There's been a lot of guys on Family, family Feud, American Ninja Warrior. So that's something that, that IndyCar has done for quite some time. So they reached out and, and asked if I'd be interested. And it was an obvious yes. And, and so the guy that I was living with at the time um, was my roommate. He actually also raced in, in IndyCar. So it made sense that him and I would go do it. And we ran around the world for four weeks. So do you dance? Uh, no. Well, that was probably good then that you didn't get Dancing with the Stars. I mean, yeah, but I don't think James dances either. James memorized some routines uh-huh. and is very good at that. So uh, st- James still can't dance. Well, if you had a show that, let's say, you would have wanted to be on in case they came to you and said, well, we have a couple of ideas, what would you like to be on? What show would you end up on? Asking the person that doesn't watch TV is probably— exactly. I have no idea. I think Amazing Race was great. Oh, so. okay. I didn't know if you'd want to end up on Family Feud or Jeopardy or— sure. Wheel Why not? Of Fortune. I'm not going to say no. I, I was Sesame on a, Street. I was on a. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll pretty much do anything that comes my way. SpongeBob, SquarePants. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Line it up. All right. If well, you have a contact there. there. All right. Well, hey, you know, I, I'm just, just asking. I think, I think it'd be interesting to see where else you went. Okay. Last thought about the Amazing Race. Um, the moment that really sticks with you after going through that whole experience. Um, eating scorpions. I'm yeah. sorry, what? Yeah, I had to eat three scorpions and a bullfrog in Thailand. So that's probably the, the, the flashback that haunts me the most. Were they living at the time? No, but I don't think that makes it any better. No, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so that, that was not fun. But, mm-hmm. you know, I did it. I got the t-shirt, right? So yep, there you go. Definitely don't need to do it again. <laughs> That's true. That's all you get is a T-shirt, right? Well, for, for finishing fourth, yes, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's um, not like you get the big, the big money. Well, it's interesting because yeah, the, the the person that wins gets a million dollars, and then from there on out, it's like thanks for playing. <laughs> Take <laughs> a copy job. of our home yeah. game. <laughs> Enjoy watching it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so more thoughts about the you said you said earlier you have a Honda Pilot. I do, yeah. Okay, is that the only car in your garage? It is not. No. What else you got? I have a Audi S8. Ah, yeah, that's very nice. You take it out much? Not really. Well, I got it in October, and um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Indiana winters are not great. So the roads aren't fantastic. We have a pretty big pothole problem. So, you know, I don't, I think I've put 300 Ah, miles on it. You live in Indiana now? I do live in Indiana, yep. Oh, okay. Which is great. I actually, initially, I'll be honest, I didn't like it at all and counted down the days to leave. But now I have a house and a dog there. So I'm a Hoosier, which I don't really know what that means. Just a couple of uh, shows ago, we had Leah Pritchett on from the NHRA. And she's talked about the fact that she lives in Indianapolis. And uh, her husband's involved with uh, the racing team, Schumacher Racing, back there. And uh, she was talking about she basically had a plastic pine tree, one of those blow-ups. Right. You know, a little, little... Palm tree, thank you. Had a, she has tree. she has a blow up palm tree in the back. Got it. And um, that's just to remember. I mean, I should I should probably get some like blow up mountains as well. That'd that would nice. be cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, pretty well, flat. Anybody listening has a uh, know you could get blow up mountains. Give us a call and we'll uh, we'll let Alexander know. We don't want him to miss California too much. All right, on the list, and we all have these lists. Top five cars you want to get someday. Oh boy, top five. That's a big. Well, uh, if or I'll I'll so, accept three. Um, Acura NSX, the new one. Oh yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a D 
DB5, Nassim Martin DB5. Um, third one. Oh boy, that's tough. Um, DB5 kind of make you think of James Bond or something? Well, yeah. 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 Have you ever done that? You're in the car and all of a sudden you go, I'm Bond, James Bond. No, I can't pull that off. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Let's see. I'm drawing a blank on, there's, there is something that I saw the other day that was beautiful. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not, honestly, this will surprise you. I'm a race car guy. I'm not a huge car guy. Right. Ah. So I I mean, I, I've never had the desire to like go and be like, look at something in a showroom and be like, oh, I'd love that and, and, and make an effort to actually go and get it. Or an old classic car or something no, like that. it's not. So those are my two. I would mm-hmm. love an NSX and I'll I'd take love two. a DB5. So. I'll take two. No, that's fine. You know, you've been at a chance. You're all around the world now, obviously. You're you're in the spotlight. I picked you up downstairs and a bunch of people stopped by to say hi and talk to you. And that was sure. so you're, you're a big time celebrity, I guess. Uh, top celebrity that you've ever met that kind of raised your eyebrows? Oh, boy. Um, LeBron James, Cam Newton. Um, those That was pretty cool. Um, I met Jay Leno, which was pretty pretty awesome. Got to see his garage. Kind of cool, huh? Unbelievable. And my favorite part about it is how all of the sections are the the actual manufacturers of the cars and the progression of them and that was that was pretty pretty amazing to see so those are probably the top three that come to mind i'd love to meet jennifer lawrence because i think she's just a a fantastic lady jennifer you listening yeah all right (laughs) give us a give us a buzz we'll uh we'll uh, set it up wonderful okay well that actually took care of the question person you still want to meet there you go all right she's top of the list all right sounds very good so again one final thought on long beach grand prix coming up um as far as the the race is concerned all you have to do is make sure everything runs right operates the way it should and you'll be right up there yeah i i certainly hope so i mean you, you never really know especially considering it's a new car this year you never really know until you show up on friday and and you do the first couple practice sessions, you don't really know where you're at. But I think that, you know, based on St. Pete, which is a, also a street circuit, and the performance that we had there, I think we have reason to be optimistic. But it's impossible to really predict it until you roll out on Friday morning for the first time. Alexander Rossi, who's going into the Long Beach Grand Prix, second in the IndyCar driver rankings. Now, if you're into sideshow, you know, doing donuts, basically burning the rubber off your tires in an artistic kind of way, I guess, and doing it legally, well, we have a place just for you here in Southern California. I wonder if it might be able to expand across the country if this is that big a thing. Doug Stokes of Irwindale Raceway, you've been doing alternative motorsports out there for a while now. Stuff like drifting was a sideshow. When we first got here and we opened in 99, there were a couple of kids came up and said, we want to do some drifting in your parking lot. Uh, our, our GM at that point said, what the hell is drifting? And of course, <laughs> guys, old guys like me think it's Jimmy Clark driving a Lotus 49, you know, around and sliding all four tires at the same time. I also happen to know it was something that started in Japan, moved over to Hawaii, and was coming this way. And I said it, you know, might be might be a pretty good thing. And uh, we did it in the parking lot until, as a sideshow, until uh, one rainy afternoon 
<laughs> on a Sunday when I was kind of the uh, uh, the mother superior, uh, you know, watching the event. I said, it's getting slick out there. First car that hits a, uh, one of the uh, uh, light poles, uh, it's over. We're, we're going to call it. They said, okay. And it wasn't 15 minutes later somebody, you know, backed the car into the into one of the, the light poles didn't hurt anybody. They were pretty slow, but that was, that was it. And that was the impetus to put it down on the main track, uh, in the infield where you have, you know, complete control. You can gate everything off. You, you, there's nothing to hit except one big light pole right in the middle and it's guarded by K rail. And, uh, subsequently that became the biggest show that this, track has every year that's the drifting um, thing it's just yeah it's just amazing but again that was that was considered a sideshow until you know until it wasn't and uh, same thing with the burnout box uh, that uh, it just is something that i think a lot of people want to do and ha- have some fun with um uh, I'm, I'm sure the tire manufacturers will flock to it the way they did uh, drifting of course (laughs) you say the burnout box the burnout box basically is uh, a safe way to do what they call sideshow which is of course the big thing where where people are doing things on city streets and as i understand it you can get a thousand dollar fine and get your car impounded that's not something you want to do there was a a show uh, uh, a little piece on channel nine uh, the other night they're showing these kids that were doing that, and they're putting the tie wraps with their hands behind their back and putting tie wraps on them um, and taking them in. And, and of course, uh, that's that's not a good thing to have on anybody's record. And besides that, uh, the minute anything happens, <laughs> all those fans are all scattered and everything as it stands. Uh, last week, when we did it the first time ever here, and I don't know if it isn't the first time at any racetrack to actually have a particular area cordoned off with flat rail and a you know in the whole deal. Um, I kept telling the I kept looking over and seeing somebody come in after a really particular good run, making a lot of smoke and getting close to the you know to the rail, um, but the fans being you know. 20 feet back from there uh, I'd see somebody come on with you know park with their their tires smoking in the pit area and the fans over asking them to autograph stuff <laughs> so so they've got celebrities in that world it's it's cool yeah I, I guess and and I think it's going to be something where uh, you you know as I say you got to show off without <laughs> risking having your cars you know in car incarcerated. The same thing as our little drag strip. We opened that in 2001. It's a little, you've been there, it's an eighth mile. People are having fun with their car. They're showing off in front of a bunch of fans. It's a big social occasion. Even in the, the, the waiting lines to go out and run, the, the guys and the girls have their hoods up on the cars. They're talking about their various automobiles. And as I said, it's a whole social deal. And I think the same thing's going to happen with our burnout box where you can uh, do some of these sideshow things, you know? Where where did burnout box come from? Who came up with that idea? 
Well, it's uh, we because it's kind of box shape, I guess, and um, uh, we just we just we have the it's an acronym really. B O X is burn out excitement. Very good. So this yeah, was your yeah. the burnout box was actually well, something you came up with. Well, not was, the idea, uh, but just the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, yeah, I guess a little bit. Uh, Kevin uh, uh, Stevens, our, our vice president of marketing and stuff. I think between the two of us, we we got that going. Very good. I like that. The right. acronym B O X. Very good. Burnout yeah. excitement. Burnout bo- excitement. Yeah. Very good. Very good. It is. It is. It's. It's. I'll tell you. Uh, as I say, I'm standing there, and and I've seen all kinds of. Do- it's kind of like short course drifting, by the way, except <laughs> very few of the drifters uh, burn their tires right down to the steel belts. And then keep going, throwing sparks like, you know, a Bessemer converter out at uh, out of Fontana. Just <laughs> this shower of sparks coming out of the tires. So the people are going. So going crazy. So answer me this: so people are burning out sure. their tires, and and I guess there are guys <laughs> that burn it all the way down, and and they pop them. Do they have yep. tires standing by with them? Because I've seen, I've seen guys do this, and you know, if you have a lot of money, you just have a stack of tires sitting there, and you say, "Okay, time well, to put I, on new ones." Uh, apparently, they can. You know, I mean, obviously, they look at their tires before they go out. There is every time I've seen one <clears throat> go right to the right to the metal uh, belting the bands. Um, all of a sudden, you'll see these long snakes of, of rubber flying off, and I presume the driver can start to see that or something. But everybody who did that, there's only a couple of guys who did that, by the way. They had tires in, you know, for them, and of course, uh, I guess there's always the auto club card, but I... <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, and I bet you the auto club sure. should be sponsoring this thing, because they're going to come out a lot, I get a funny feeling, to change tires <laughs> well, or whatever. I, but I, I got to tell you, the the drift thing is, you know, every high performance tire company um, that I know of is uh, is very strongly involved in drifting, and I would suspect, honestly, don't expect any of the people from those tire companies. Although we may see a couple of them, but you know, they're getting busy down in Long Beach. They got the drift thing down there. But I think a week from Thursday. <laughs> We may see a few of those executives here going, oh, that looks like, um, you know, a good place to advertise. So uh, it's it's growing. Remember, Randy, last week we we built it Tuesday and Wednesday. We had one guy come out with a uh, Mustang and uh, do some some donuts and, and all that stuff. And he had a great time, and he pronounced it okay. And then we went to Thursday, and I guess I put out some some information on. I didn't put a press release up. That's a formal one, that's for sure. But there was stuff that went on on on, on our website and on social on media. Social media, yeah. And uh, um, there were a lot of. I've been here, you know, quite some time. I, I don't know every customer because we get, you know, twenty five hundred people on a Thursday night, and. 250 cars running on the drag strip, which is right up the street here. Sure. So you go to both of them. Uh, but uh, there were an awful lot of new people because uh, I, I always tell people, 
uh, it's one of my uh, working here since 99 when we opened. I, when someone comes up and asks me where the restrooms are, I think, oh, great, this is good, because they're new. And uh, I had a lot of people asking me, where the, I guess I look like a toilet attendant or something. Well, either that or they're but, drinking a lot. So, I mean, you know, they're going, they're going to your concession stand and getting a lot of soft drinks. That's right. That's right. And, and we have, by the way, we have really good concession stands here. Uh, I don't know if you've partaken, but the food here is great. I have. And uh, they, they have all these uh, exotic coffee, cold coffee drinks when, when the weather gets hot. And I'm addicted to those. So uh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning more about we're learning more yeah, about Doug Stokes than I think we expected to. But let, let me just I know say where the restrooms are. <laughs> that, that's a good sign, believe me. Okay, so <laughs> let me let me re, kind of recap here. Thursday sure. nights at Irwindale, you've got drag racing, and then you have the yeah. burnout box, which of course is kind of like sideshow, except it's in a much smaller thing. Uh, how much does it cost for people to get involved in this? Well, it, it, it's it's ten bucks for adults to come out and watch, and they get to go to both sides, and and uh, occasionally there'll be guys running, you know, practice on the on the oval with with uh, stock cars. They can walk over by the officer and watch that if they get tired of watching the uh, the sideshow or the drag racing, and uh, it's twenty bucks to run your car, either in the drag races or the or the um, uh, burnout box, and that is uh, to get you a tech card. Uh, there, there's a you know some safety checks. Make sure all five bolts or four or whatever there are are on the car. Stuff like that, so that the car you know so that there's and, and you're insured by the way under for liability and stuff. Oh, you uh, are okay. Yeah. Well, so it's a it's a good it's a good um, a sort of uh, uh, deal. It's. It's not as wild and woolly as as some of the street stuff, and you're not. The nice thing is you're not looking over your shoulder all the time, uh, you know, getting getting ready to scatter because the cops are coming. Right, ten dollars uh, or you, twenty dollars is a lot right, more kids, fun. Little kids are free. Little kids are free, okay. so it's a lot more okay. fun than let's say having to pay a thousand dollars and getting your ride impounded. Oh, well, <laughs> and, and as I say, the the crowd, uh, I as I said. I talked to a couple of the guys, and I don't know. They, I just went over and said, "You look like you know how to do this pretty good," you know. And he said, "Yeah, I do." Uh, not admitting anything or anything else, I said, "When's the last time you had?" And I pointed across, and there's like 200 people uh, spread across one leg of the of the box behind, you know, catch uh, <laughs> behind bicycle fence, so they're in a good, safe but close. I said, when's the last time you had that many people pay 10 bucks a piece to watch you? And the guy goes, oh, you know, that's different. It's, it, it is a, you know, it's, it, they're sort of honoring the drivers, just like we do with the drag strip. They're, people come, they're not big-time pros, but people come out to see the, 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 these guys run their street-type cars and uh, make a good show out of it. So, what, t- what time of day does this start? Well, uh, there's two, 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 the gates open at 4 p.m. On, on every Thursday except Thanksgiving and if it ever rains again in California on a Thursday. And that, that's unlikely, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
<laughs> but uh, it's four o'clock. The drag races start at five, and the uh, the box opens at six. So uh, it, it, there's a touring circus minimum, and um, occasionally we'll have someone out testing on the track or someone out on the oval track uh, uh, driving around with a stock car. And, of course, that's a little bit of extra if you're interested in that kind of thing. Uh, two things that people ask me about this, because I'm not sure I understand it, but I've seen, let's say, when they do the sideshow Cars are spinning, and people are getting like very, very close to the point where oh, yeah. it, it can it can injure somebody. I'm assuming that is not allowed to happen at Irwindale. Oh no, no, no. We, again, uh, we're under you know very uh, strict insurance policies, that sort of thing. Um, it is a uh, where uh, the, the box itself is 150 feet by 150 feet. Then we're 24 feet back from that along three sides. Uh, there's bicycle fence, which is, you know, all linked together, and that's where the fans stand from. But you're talking, uh, when when someone comes close to that, the side where the people are, they're only 24 feet away. Mm-hmm. The, the good news is, uh, of course, uh, when you're doing a burnout or you're doing a donut or that kind of thing, you're not really going all that fast uh, to where, you know, you hit it and you're going to throw debris. The problem with those street takeovers um, is that if you, they, and I've unfortunately had to see some film of it, um, there's no protection for the fans. Uh, some of them are dodging stuff like bullfighters, and then others that are innocently trying to watch get it clobbered by a car. Maybe the car's only going 20 miles an hour, but maybe it runs over their legs. Or maybe it, you know, knocks them at 20 miles an hour, knocks you to the ground and your head hits. Um, that ain't a good thing. No. So uh, we're, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a little kicky to do and all the rest of it. But it gets old pretty fast if you if you hurt somebody or you're hurt yourself. The other thing that comes up to me is. Uh, okay, so you're burning your tires, and usually <laughs> where you burn your tires, it's got to go somewhere, and usually it ends up on the concrete or whatever surface you're doing this oh, yeah. on. Um, how has the surfaces been affected by, and again, you've only been doing this a little while, but I could imagine yeah. if this gets very popular, which it could, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of cars, you're going to get a lot of uh, oh. residue on the on the concrete. Is yeah. that something you could clean off, wash off? Or how do well, you take care of that? You know, actually, actually, it's good. It seasons the place. They can get a little better, even a little better grip out of it. Um, we blow it off. There's a lot of, like, crumbs, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the size of, uh, I mean, crumbs of of, uh, of tire, which we, we, we go out with one of these little blowers and blow it off uh, in between runs or, you know, once, twice, three times a night. But basically... It seems that everybody likes the fact that there's all that it's rubbered up. That it's it's got some rubber down. It makes it easier to. Uh, uh, I, I guess I would think it give better grip. It seems like it's easier to to uh, uh, break loose on. The thing that we've always noticed on the oval track is when you have like Goodyears and Hoosiers, and of course there's all a hundred different kinds of car uh, street tires. 
I'm, I'm not sure how it worked. The Goodyears, if the, if we'd have a race with Goodyears, and then they came with Hoosiers, it wasn't. It was better, or vice versa. But if it, if it was the other way around, it wasn't as good. You lost grip. So um, we've not had anybody uh, complain about that. And uh, certainly, uh, it, when when a fan comes up and looks at it, they, they know where the place is. That's Doug Soaks of Irwindale Raceway. For more information on their burnout box, check their website. That's Irwindale Speedway. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com, so that way you'll be notified when a new Talking About Cars is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us. Give us five stars, please. And leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. That would really help us out. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun. Fun talking about cars.